Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Look to the folks at Farm Bureau Health Plans when you need someone who understands the X's and O's of healthcare coverage. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. Coach Mack, I am so excited that you are here today. How were your holidays? Amy, great. I know that you had a great Christmas. We all did, all of us concerned with the Titans because we had a big victory on Thursday night heading into Christmas Day. So that was absolutely outstanding, and it's great to be back here again. We've got another big week coming up. We do have another big week coming up. Thank you guys all for joining us today. I hope you all had a Merry Christmas as well. Happy holidays. Let's set the scene a little bit here. The Titans right now are 10-5. and They're leading the division. They are number two in the AFC. So there's still a lot of things to play for, Coach Mack. There's a lot of excitement in the air. Nothing has been clinched. There is no guarantees at this point, but things are looking good for the Tennessee Titans. Well, they're looking good if we win the next game, and that's been the track that we've been on. That's what we said you know, on the, on the podcast last week, that heading into the 49er game, a must-win. This is a must-win game, too, you know, for the Tennessee Titans. And the thing that has to happen, Amy, once you get to this point in the season, you know this, our listeners know this, our one million subscribers know this, is the fact that as you get to this point in the season in the National Football League and you are still in the tournament chase, then everything takes on a little bit deeper meaning. Now, it's a different type of a year this year, and we let's bring this out because we're always honest on the Titans Amy Coach Mac podcast. The COVID situation has been different for everybody in the National Football League, especially as of late with the new variant that's come out. But you've got to work through it, and you've got to be able to manage it. And the, at the end of the day, here's what we all know. You've got a big game coming up, and you have to win this game. You have to win this game. So the preparation that Mike Vrabel and his football team are, are making right now is putting all that other stuff aside and out of their minds. All of those outside influences that could seep in, they've been blocked out, and you work on the Miami Dolphins. That's what we're working on. Now getting that mini by having that weekend off for this Titans team, how helpful was it? not only for a team that is still recovering from a lot of injuries, trying to get some guys back, but for a team with, to your point, is dealing with some COVID issues, much like every other team in the National Football League. Just like every other team. But but let's just talk about the Titans and the mini-buy off of a Thursday win. It's only a mini-buy off of a Thursday game, Amy, if you win. Right. If you lose, it's terrible. But once you won, then everything falls into place. And it came at a really nice point you know, for the Titans, because they're going to get some people back. And also you've got some momentum to propel you into preparation for Miami. So I, I think it was, it was really big. You and I both know leaving that stadium or watching the fans leave the stadium, or as I was leaning out the window, you know, like Ebenezer Scrooge, you know, yelling at the kids in the street, you know, it, <laughs> celebrating that win. Everybody left that stadium feeling good. Now, the good feelings have to be able to go into good preparation. So that's where we are. But your question about the, the mini buy after the win, it's legitimate and it helped. Now we had some news this week earlier in the week. The NFL and the NFLPA came to a new agreement about some of the protocols and best practices for teams that are dealing with COVID. And this kind of came out in concert with the CDC, changing their recommendations a little bit. For players and coaches, Mac, how much maybe fatigue is there around the fact that all season we have been dealing with protocols and then 
amendments to protocols and adjustments to protocols. And it just feels like they've constantly been changing. Does that wear on a team? Well, it's the same as the general population. I mean, I, I think, I think you know, every, everybody at, at, at this point with what we've all been going through in the nation and really worldwide, you know, has, has got a COVID hangover. But it's something that you have to deal with and more precisely with the National Football League. And they're following the science. It's, you know, it's, it's what they're doing. It's what they've always said they were going to do. They've done a really nice job of it. Not going to prevent everybody from not being infected, but you do as much as you can to keep it to a minimum. And so, yes, I mean, you've got to follow the science. And you're right. They just changed the protocols. But what happens is, and, and, and you and I are very close with the Titans, and we see what they do. They follow everything strictly right to the law. I mean, it, it, everything is strictly done right to the law. So they're doing everything in their power to make sure that they have as many players healthy as possible when we play. They're trying to keep the players healthy. They're trying to keep us healthy. And so do you get a little bit worn out with it? Absolutely you do. Just as I said, as I think the entire world is right now. Do you expect that as we actually get into playoff football and the postseason push to the Super Bowl, there will be teams – tightening it down even another notch? No, I don't think so. I don't know why they hadn't already. I mean, to me, if you haven't tightened it down all the notches that you can already, you already missed the boat. From what I know, all the years that I worked in the National Football League, the most important thing, Amy, whether there's COVID or not, is getting your players to the game healthy. And you do whatever you have to do preparation-wise, internally, externally, to get your players to the game healthy. So I don't know why anybody at this point in the National Football League has not tightened it down as tight as you can. Now, I mentioned playoff football, and I want to talk about it a little bit because what a time to be alive, Coach Mack. We have some weekends of football coming up that have major games with major implications Across the league. I mean, this is the best time of the year when it comes to football games that really matter, right? All games matter, Amy. I thought I've taught you that the five years that I've been here, there's not one game that doesn't matter. Because if you hadn't taken care of games before, then these games right now, as far as you say that really matter, well, they might not really matter. So every game matters. All right, go ahead. That was such a coach answer. Well, because I'm a coach. Yeah, that's true. Anyway, I have this little (laughs) sheet here that tells me who Titans fans should be pulling for this weekend. Now, that's legitimate this time of year. You're very smart, Amy Wells. It's a difference in people you should be pulling for because of seeding. Go ahead. Oh, Mac. Can I just read my list here? Yeah, go ahead. Okay, so if you're a Tennessee Titans (laughs) fan, let me tell you what you should be cheering for this weekend. These are the teams that you need to win for good things to happen to the Tennessee Titans because that's what we all want here on the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. So number one, we need the Titans to beat the Dolphins. There, and I'm so glad you put that at the top of the list. Put that at the top, and I don't know how many you've got on your list, but six. how many you have in your list? Six. Okay, well, it should be one through six. Now give me seven. The Cincinnati Bengals need to get the win over the Chiefs. Yes, Having the Chiefs get that loss moves the Tennessee Titans into that number one seed in the AFC. Because the Titans beat the Chiefs, right? Because the Titans beat the Chiefs. I like this. And Go you ahead. know what comes with that for that number one seed? Bye. A bye. Yep. And I'm I'm pulling for bye weeks always. Number three, we need the Las Vegas Raiders to win over the Indianapolis Colts. Yes. That's a big one. I like that. Because- and the reason is because we hate the Colts. Next. <laughs> Also, the Tennessee Titans are only one game up on the Colts. It is helpful 
to us if they could lose another game. Give everybody a little breathing room. And we don't like the Colts. Okay, and there's also that. Number four, the Los Angeles Rams need to get the win over the Baltimore Ravens. Yes. See? Absolutely. You're 100% right. So far on these, you are 100% spot on, as you normally are. But, yes, you need, at this point, you need all NFC teams to beat all AFC teams. We need Jacksonville to get the win over the New England Patriots. Absolutely, This is a little counterintuitive. As Titans fans, we don't normally cheer for Jacksonville. However... Jacksonville is kind of a non-issue this year. Sorry, guys. And New England is a team that we could use a couple losses from. Yes, absolutely. That's right. And it, it, we want Jacksonville to win. And Jacksonville can have success at this time of year because we're done with them and we don't care. Except, go ahead and beat New England. <laughs> Good point, Amy. Yeah, and getting that win could mess up their draft stock, maybe not get the number one pick in the 2022 you know really NFL don't, draft, we, and we, I don't want that. We really don't care if they get the number one pick I because care. they don't really know what to do with it. So let's just go on. <laughs> I mean, finally, this is taking a dark turn. Number six, we need the Denver Broncos to get the win over the Los Angeles Chargers. Yes, mm-hmm. absolutely. Because now you've got two AFC teams, and you might say, Titans Amy and Coach Mack, why we say AFC team against AFC team? Because the Chargers are still in it, and we need Denver to do something. There you go. So there's your list. It's a little convoluted, but there's your list of teams to cheer for over the weekend. As a player or a coach, do you care? And don't do not say to me that we control our own destiny and we do not watch these other games because I think that's a lie. We control our own destiny. You don't care. I mean, if you don't take care of your own business, what does it matter? I mean, seriously, if you don't take care of your own business and win all of this that we just talked about, close your eyes, tell me what you see. That's how much it matters. It really matters if the Titans win. Here's another thing that happened this week, Coach Mack. Switching directions just a little bit. The National Football League lost a great one in John Madden. Mack, you have been a coach in this league for a long time. Have your paths ever crossed with John Madden? He only coached for ten years. You know, he he was a head coach for ten years. He was a he was a linebacker coach for two. You know, he, and he got the head coaching job when he was thirty two, and then at forty two, he said, "I'm done," and really kind of came into broadcasting. That was pointed out to me on one of the many radio spots that I do across the country. That he kind of came into it, kind of like I did by accident. You know, was just asked, hey, "You might be good at this," and kind of like I was, said, "Well, I I don't know how good I would be at this, but I'm willing to try." And all of a sudden, he's an icon. When I was coaching at the Bears, when, when John Madden and Pat Summerall would come in to do a game, it was a big game. And John Madden being, you know, he loved the offensive line. He loved the offensive line. But he was a linebacker coach to begin with. And so, you know, we would talk, I mean, not anything in depth, but we would always talk linebackers when he would, you know, come in and, to do a Bears game. But the thing about John Madden was, even when he stepped down from being a head coach of the Oakland Raiders, he never quit coaching. And his involvement, I mean, and, and I understand how he felt about being involved still deeply with the game and, and the broadcasting that he did. He broadcast for all four major networks. I mean, and we throw around the word icon a lot in professional sports, but he truly was iconic in a lot of things that he did. And he had a far-reaching effect, not only on just being able to broadcast games, but being able to bring people into football and touching football in, in really a humanizing way. Because, you know, he was the first to start using the Telestrator he didn't care if his lines were straight. He didn't care if there were squiggly things and there were erases. It was just he was trying to bring another element, you know, to the to the to the listening and and to viewing audience that just to bring him into the game. And 
and he loved the game. You could tell he loved the game. He was still involved. You know, that, that Madden committee as to where they'd have five or six coaches on the Madden committee that would make recommendations to the competition committee. That's a big committee. And, and you heard uh, Ron Rivera just recently was, was on that committee, and he spoke reverently of how, you know, John Madden still with the head coaches when he would, they would get together, he commanded the room. But he also commanded the room in the fact that he wanted them, wanted their input. He deeply cared about the game. And so we lost really an important, important figure. And I haven't even touched on EA Sports and what he's done with the Madden game. I mean, it, it got to the point, Amy, as to where players, the, fir- the first thing with the new Madden game that would come out every year was who's going to be on the cover. It was a big deal. And so he was a big deal, but he was a big deal for this reason. You know, I found out this in broadcasting. I learned it from Mike Keith really quickly. If you're genuine, people will listen. And he was very genuine, and he cared about what he did. Mike Keith compared on the OTP, he compared the way that John Madden prepared for a broadcast to the way that you prepare for a broadcast. As a football guy who sees the game still in that coaching way, which changes the amount of information that you're able to give on a broadcast, right? Well, yeah, and, and the other thing that I think, and, and hopefully I do the same thing, I know John Madden did every time I would watch one of his broadcasts when I was still coaching, is he never talked down to the audience. It wasn't about how much he knew. It's about how much can I get you to understand that will make this more fun for you. And at the same time, I'm going to have a lot of fun doing it. I have not ever made a conscious effort to, to say that, that I approached it the same way. He, but I, I, think, I think we both are in common with this. We're lifelong football coaches that love the game and really enjoy what we're doing, being able to talk with people now and, to, and to be able to impart a little bit of inside knowledge to what this game is. We have our own little mini John Madden right here on Titans Radio. <laughs> mini John Madden. See, Mike Keith thought that if I called you a mini John Madden to your face, you might get angry. You don't look angry at all. Amy, I've never been mad at you. I really never have been. Disappointed sometimes, but never really (laughs) mad at you. (laughs) Well, that's fine. Let's shift away from other disappointing things that I may say. Let's Let's go. Move right along. The Tennessee Titans are getting ready to take on the Miami Dolphins this Sunday at Nissan Stadium. Mac, the Dolphins are doing something truly incredible, historic, some may say. They lost seven in a row, seven games in a row. They were one and seven. And then they come back and they win seven in a row. As a coach, how do you even approach evaluating a team like that that has had two dramatically different halves of their season? You know, fortunately or unfortunately, in all the years that I've coached, 31 years, I've experienced everything. I've experienced this. I've experienced this with the Titans. One year we started off 0-6. 0-6 and, and went into an open date after the sixth loss, which was a massive loss to the New England Patriots going into a bye week. So here's how we approached it, and, and this, uh, this is what Brian Flores did too. We're starting over. Jeff Fisher on the plane, he and I sit next to each other. He said, we're going to go back, and we're going to make everything as if training camp. We're going to give these guys the entire week off, and we're going to come back just as if training camp is just starting. We're going to start over. And that's what he did. And we won eight out of our next ten. Missed the playoffs by one game. That's what he's done. And so he's put himself into a situation. And the thing that you have to do as a coach, you, you've got a decision to make. You can either wallow in self-pity when that's going on and say, you know what, it, it really doesn't matter the rest of it. Or you can regroup your troops. But you have to be honest about it and in the way that you do it. And that's what he's done. I mean, as I said, I've experienced it. I've experienced it. And it, 
the thing that happens too, Amy, it's not just a all of a sudden you've won seven games in a row. It's a week-to-week process, and it's a week-to-week grind. But you can't make it a week-to-week desperation thing. You have to make it a week-to-week goal thing. And that's what we did, where we resurrected it at the end and missed the playoffs by one game. That's exactly what he's done. It's impressive. It's hard to do, but you've got to give the coaching staff and you have to give your locker room an immense amount of credit for doing it. So when you're the Tennessee Titans and you're sitting down to evaluate this team, put together your game plan, do you start at week eight and start watching that footage? Is that kind of where you hone in, where they're being successful, as opposed to honing in on the games that they maybe weren't firing on all cylinders? Let's talk about game planning a little bit. I think this will be educational here. When you really put your game plan together, you really don't put more than five games into the game plan. There's so much information now you can get with the technology the way that it is. But you go back and you pull pieces from every game that they've played. There may be certain instances because coaches are human, and coaches get patterns also, good and bad. And so you you go back and you pull out pieces. Now, the coaches bring a lot more information to their coaches' meetings than they disseminate to the players because you don't want to get your players so full of information in their head that they're not playing off of instinct but you give them bullet points that are very important but the coaches the coaches have watched every tape they've had i promise you they've watched everything they've done there's always something that you can glean from it now what you start putting a game plan together and you take recency bias out of it just like that game against new orleans there's a lot of that new orleans game you wouldn't use because new orleans was way overmatched Mm -hmm. okay so what you do and and you can do it a lot easier nowadays because of the technology because you've got a lot of people that are involved with this that can bang a lot of that stuff out really quick and you can subset it very very quickly but to your question that's a long answer to your question but your question's good because you go back and look at everything they've done and then you figure out what you want to disseminate to your players Mac, in what you have seen in your study of the Miami Dolphins, what is Tua Tungavailoa doing so well right now? He's not turning the ball over, and he's de- he's he's distributing the football in that RPO system very very well. He knows who his playmakers are, and he's not trying to do anything outside of the realm of what the system asks him to do, which is very very important right now. You know, the RPO system came into being as to be able to make the defense wrong every time. And to make the defense wrong every time, your your read on where the defense is pre and post snap has to be correct every time. So what he's done, you start looking at his completion percentage, there's not a there's not an overabundance of shots down the field. He's taken some. He took some in that New Orleans game, but he took some in that New Orleans game because he knew New Orleans had no chance to come back and do anything with it. So why not take those shots? But what he's done is distribute the ball. They've done a really nice job of getting to third manageable in a lot of their offensive series. That's what he's done well. Mac, one of the things that has been talked about amongst the Titans players and coaches is batting down his balls. He doesn't have very many balls batted down at all. I think maybe one in the last seven games. They've talked a lot about matching up their hands. He's a left-handed quarterback. Explain that to me a little bit. What really are they talking about when they talk about matching their hands? The way we always used to explain it to our rush people was this. You are either a pass rusher on every down or you're a pass defender. Now, you're a pass defender when they're throwing it quick because you can't get there. These three-step drops and all of this, this RPO is meant to make these people pass defenders. So the one thing that you can do, too, is not very tall. Okay, but the one thing you can do is you can match a hand. If a right-handed quarterback is up, if he's throwing from the right side, you don't want to ever reach for the ball with your right hand as you're coming at him. 
because that's the opposite hand. So you match the hand that he's throwing to. Now, this is a left-handed quarterback. This is a left-handed quarterback, so the throw is coming, even if he's in a cylinder or if he's moving to his left, the throw is coming from the left side of his body. So you need to match that with your right hand, which is closest to the hand that's throwing it. That's what you do. You you learn to match hands, and then what you study as a defensive lineman and as a defensive coach, you, you study launch points. Because you can't just you can't wait till it ha- you got to understand launch points and the RPO lends itself to being able to get rid of the ball quickly. Now what Tua's done a good job of is he's done a nice job of slotting his arm and slotting his throws because the ball's coming out there very quickly. But matching hands is big because you can look, a, a pass deflection or a pass breakup by a defensive lineman sometimes is even more valuable than a sack because the down still progresses correct. And no yardage is gained. And so that's what matching hand is. A pretty good explanation. That was a really good explanation. Okay, thanks. Let's talk about the Dolphins' defense. What can we expect out of their defensive scheme? Pressure. A lot of pressure. Yeah. Again, I, I go to the most recent game, the, the, the New Orleans game. Again, it's because of their rookie quarterback. And because he's five foot nothing tall, they were doing a lot of six and seven up, which means everybody at the line of scrimmage, zero coverage in the back end, and just and just flogging the front. Flogging the front and bringing everybody, making him not only make a quick decision, but making him make desperation throws. And the other thing that they started doing to him, Amy, they had everybody up, and then they would bail out into either four under three deep zone. They would bail out into five under two deep zone. They would bail out into four under buzz coverage. I mean, he had no idea what he was seeing. So that's what we're going to see. But this is a pressure defense. You look at what Brian Flores has done. He has always been a pressure defensive coordinator. He is now a pressure head coach. So we've got to be able to not only handle the pressure pre-snap, we've got to be able to handle it post-snap. And that comes not only with the blocking unit, Amy, it also comes if it's a throw with the receiving unit or with the extra blocking unit, if you've got a run still called against a stack box. But pressure, I think that is the first word that you see and you understand when you look at their defense. You mentioned the Titans receivers and the pass game. The weather is not forecasted to be ideal. It's supposed to be a little chilly. It's supposed to be a little rainy. You need extra gear. You need extra gear on the sideline, Amy. Yeah, it's not going to be a good time for me, but I have no control over this game. The Titans receivers do. How much of an impact could the elements have on a game like this? Well, I mean, it's definitely you're going to be there, but both teams have to be in it. And so regardless, you're going to have to perform. Now, it's going to be a lot different because we've had an unusual heat wave here this time of year. I mean, it snowed for the first time yesterday in Chicago. I lived there for 10 years and had 12 feet of snow for three and four months. So it's it's unusual. It's unusual, you know, climate everywhere. But this weekend is. It's going to be cold. They say there may be flurries. But whatever it is, I mean, you've got to be able. That's one thing about being a professional football player because games are played outdoors a lot. Some are indoors, but some are outdoors. you got to adjust to the elements, and both teams are going to have to do it. It's going to be different for both teams. Get the home field advantage with health care coverage from Farm Bureau Health Plans. They've been protecting Tennesseans since 1947. The Tennessee Titans have the home field advantage this weekend. They are playing their final regular season game. Emphasis on regular season because we're hoping that there's more football at Nissan Stadium in the playoffs. However, their final regular season game is at Nissan Stadium this weekend. Miami Dolphins, noon kickoff. So I thought, Coach Mack, as we were getting ready for this show, that to wrap up 
a regular season at Nissan Stadium, it would be a good idea to share with everybody a conversation that I had with Titans president and CEO, Burke Nihill. Now, in this conversation, we we covered a lot of ground. We kind of did a state of the Titans. We talked about a lot of different things. We talked about the Titans' involvement in the arts all the way to some of the plans and little murmurings of things that are going on for changes at Nissan Stadium in the coming years and really everything in between. So here's my conversation with Titans president and CEO, Burke Nihill. so much for being here with us. Burke, why an art show for an NFL team? Uh, you know, maybe the, maybe the question is why not an art show for an NFL team? Uh, Nashville is is an interesting place. Right? At our core, we're a football team, right? And, and we're we're trying to, to win football games uh, as, as the, uh, the foundation of what we do. But uh, in, a, in a city like this, I think we're at our best when we represent the city well. And this city is, is a, a very culturally rich place, right? If we're going to be reflecting our community, we, we want to be doing things that reflect our community. And, and something like an art show, we, we, we tried something like this on a smaller scale two or three years ago, and uh, it, was, it was really popular. And uh, so as we were planning uh, towards 2021, we thought, let's, let's do it even bigger. And uh, the, the first art show was a lot of our own art. Uh, we have great photographers and creative people on our staff. And uh, that was the focus of the first one. But again, reflecting the community, uh, we, we partnered with a, an art curator and, and actually had local artists uh, doing Titans-centric art. And uh, this, is, this has been so much fun. We've been here for three days now. You know, we've heard great reviews from the people who've, who've come. But you know, personally, I've, I've just loved being able to, to walk around and experience creativity, the diversity of the, the different genres of art. And uh, this is the sort of thing that I think you'll see more of from this, this organization is doing things that maybe are a little bit surprising, but hopefully using our platform uh, to, to do fun things and, and uh, reflect the community. There was a cool story from yesterday, though, where uh, someone was, was really captured by a piece of art, and uh, unfortunately it was taken, but the artist was here, and uh, we were able to connect the artist with the person who was looking for that art, and so now the artist is actually going to that person's home and is going to create some art inspired by what they liked. So again, just a, a cool connection in the community that we we're able to provide through this event. The Titans are also, so they're involved in music. There's so much music around the Tennessee Titans organization. They're involved in visual art, like what you're seeing here, and also performance art as one of the presenting sponsors of the Nutcracker, which is ballet. You look like a guy who knows a thing or two about ballet, right? Again, no, but uh, <laughs> I, I, I do appreciate ballet and, uh, and, and the, the Nutcracker performance every year year is a, is a highlight for Nashvillians, and so we're happy to, to be a presenting sponsor and make sure that that can happen every year. Well, all of those arts things are one thing. There's so much football going on, and the Tennessee Titans are all over the place, and one of the things that's so cool, Spirit Week, we've had the Tennessee Titans Mr. Football Awards, which were so cool. We were able to recognize our Tennessee tough players through the Friday Night Rivals games that have been named all season long. We were able to recognize them. And now we're going to have all of these students kind of descend upon Nissan Stadium. We're going to have a student section. They're going to have a tailgate. Burke, we're the only team in the NFL that's doing something kind of like this. Where did this idea even come from? Well, I, I mean, I think it goes back to, to when Amy stepped in as controlling owner. Uh, she, she really has authorized us to think like a startup. And so teams, are, there's, there's kind of a wash, rinse, repeat to, to how uh, a, a lot of teams 
put on their game days and, and, and market to their communities. And it's been really fun to, to take a totally different approach. You know, we're not starting from a garage like other startups. We've got this 60 year history that we can lean on and traditions that we can lean on, but she, she's letting us try new things. And this is a great example of it. We know some people out in uh, Williamson County that have really, really interesting programs for their students where uh, it's called the EIC. Uh, they, they have this, this convergence of technology and the arts and, and it's great, really real world opportunities for their students. And uh, we, we got to talking one day about how a partnership with the Titans could provide an academic experience for these students that would be just mind blowing. And the more we talked about it, it, it started off in the context of we could maybe provide some mentorship to, to these students. And, and the more that we talked about it, we decided let's actually turn over a game to them. There's content that's being created by these kids. The game presentation is being inspired by these kids. They've, they've spent a semester actually preparing for this moment. And, and one of the things that they absolutely insisted on at every point was they need a student section. And we, <laughs> we kind of nodded and said that would really be interesting. But you see, we've got, you know, tickets and there's PSLs and it's kind of hard to move people around, but thank you. It's a great idea. And, and the next week we'd come back again and they'd have some, some other, you know, good ideas sprinkled in, but they'd come back to the student section that you got to have a student section. And if, if, if this is a real exercise, we're telling you, you have to have a student section. So we figured it out. There's no chance that other teams aren't going to catch on to this and, and start doing the same things. A lot of places that the Titans are seeing action outside of Nissan Stadium. One of those is at St. Thomas Sports Park, our own facility. We've seen Amy Adams Strunk invest in, it feels like, every corner of that facility. New weight room, new locker room, new kitchen and dining facilities. We've seen so many renovations and changes. And now there's a whole new building that we're about to open. Tell me a little bit about the genesis of that space, why it was so important to expand in the way that we have, and what it's going to be like. Well, it, it, it does go back to when Amy stepped in as controlling owner. Uh, John Robinson uh, was hired shortly after she, she came in as controlling owner. And, and John had been with the Patriots and with Tampa Bay. And, and some of the football-specific facilities were just way behind. And uh, Amy understood in talking with John that uh, if, if we're going to be a first-class team, it's got to feel like a first-class facility. So every off-season in the last five or six years, we've done something related to the football facilities to, to head in that direction. So to your point, new weight room, new training staff room, uh, new, new cafeteria, the Titans uh, player locker room has been uh, totally overhauled. As you'd walk around the facility, it would just be kind of sprinkled. One spot was renovated, then you'd walk out into kind of a more dilapidated hallway. And so about, would have been August 2019 or so, we really had a, a decision to make because there had been these investments that were made in this facility, but as the staff continued to grow, uh, we were we were really setting up in every uh, broom closet was turning into an office and there was cubicles being put in hallways. And we talked to Amy about whether we continue in that direction and just patch things up as, as new needs come along or whether we just push their chips in the middle in, in Nashville. And no surprise, she, she wanted to push the chips in the middle. So the facility uh, is, is coming online in pieces and will be completed by the it's scheduled to be completed by July of next year. And it will be one of the better NFL facilities uh, in the league when we're done with it. And it's, it's, it's filling in the gaps of those places that, that we're not catching up with the first class weight rooms and, and the rest of it. But then to your point, it's also adding a, an entire new building. A lot of it will house the business staff, actually, because the, the staff 
one of the things that that I'm not sure everyone realizes, since Amy started, in order to to really step up our game in terms of certainly the football team and, and the, the resources that support the football team, but also in marketing and, and social media and, and community relations, our business staff has grown almost doubled since she's been here. It's only been you know six years. So those people need a place to sit. We are all just so excited to, to start having these, these pieces come online so that we can all be together again and, uh, and, and be the family that this organization is. You know, Burke, when I go to the grocery store, there are two questions that people ask me all the time. It's, are the Titans going to win on Sunday? And what's going on with the stadium? Is there going to be some sort of changes happening in the near future? What are you doing in that neighborhood? What's happening there? I don't know if the Titans are going to win on Sunday. I always say yes, but I don't know. I also don't really know what's going on with the stadium. Can you give us any sort of sneak peek? Nothing is set in stone. There's still a lot of work to do, but our, our goal is to answer that question with an authoritative yes as soon as possible. And hopefully within the next five months, we should actually have some tangible plans that we can start talking about. And we're talking about a, a renovation that is of a scale that is not something that we're going to be able to accomplish in one off season. To give you a comparison point of what we're we have in mind, uh, it'd really be the Hard Rock Stadium down in Miami, which went from a stadium that looked one way to something that's totally different, right? right. It looks like a brand new stadium. And, and that's what we have in mind. And uh, we are rallying around this concept as we are planning out on the, on the expectation that this is going to happen. We're planning around this, this concept of winning on character. We understand that in a market like Nashville, we're not gonna compete feature for feature with a SoFi Stadium out in LA or Dallas's AT&T Stadium, nor do we feel like that really fits in with the character of Nashville. But what, what Nashville is, Nashville is a character-rich, culturally-rich city, and, and we want the building to reflect that. And so we're going every inch through that building and dreaming about what the next 30 years should look like with that building to really increase the fan experience, to make this a wonderful place to, to, to watch a game. And uh, it will be beautiful in its design. Uh, it will be thoughtful in its design. What we would be trying to do is start that renovation, probably in the off season of 22 to 23. And then again, it would be a several off season project. The Titans are so invested in the community in so many different ways, whether it's through the stadium renovations, whether it's through events like this art show. There's so many different ways that the Titans are really showing that this is our home. We want to be a part of this place with these people. And with the mantra of win, serve, entertain, the thing that is really sticking out right now is the serve portion. We've seen the Titans have always been involved in the community, but we've seen it taken to the next level in the last year or so and really leaning into that serve part. Why is that something that's so important to this organization as a whole? Win, serve, entertain came from conversations with our employees. It's, it's our mission statement, so it's, it's the purpose, right? It's why we wake up in the morning. It's why all of us are, are inspired to work for the Titans as opposed to wherever we would have worked before we started uh, with the Titans. And we, we, we asked our employees over the course of a year questions about why they love working here and, and what makes them tick. And I think the answer to why serve rose to the top and why, to your point, it really is driving kind of what we're doing as an organization is because the answers came back from the people that we had hired that that was important to them. It was as surveys and, and focus groups uh, were, were, were ongoing, it was just remarkable to see one by one it came in and almost everybody mentioned that they loved working for the Titans because we have this disproportionate opportunity in this community to serve this community, to make it a better place to live. So we're, we're leaning into that and, and it's the people that work for us 
the players, the, the staff, the coaches that, that are driving this focus on service. One of the things that the Titans announced was their Walter Payton Man of the Year candidate for the Tennessee Titans, who is the king himself, Derrick Henry. And Derrick is involved in so many different things. He's involved in Special Olympics. He has his own two-all foundation. He's involved in Boys and Girls Club. But then he's also involved in all of these other events and initiatives that we usually find out about after they happen. He just kind of does things. He's so involved in the community and doesn't necessarily want all the publicity for it. How proud are you to have a player like that representing this organization on such a larger level? Yeah, you nailed it. I mean, I think service in any form is is, is noble and, and should be celebrated, but that is what I love in particular about Derek and his heart for service is that nobody would know about it unless the people he was serving told the story. So frankly, I think probably part of the reason he hasn't been nominated for that, that position before is because while a, a lot of other players around the league and in professional sports really do a good job of, of being sure that people know that they're serving, Derek, he just does it in the quiet of night. Uh, Tuesdays is generally the off day during the season and nobody necessarily knows what he's going to go do. And, and then somebody posts a picture of Derek you know, giving away bikes or uh, you know, going and, and serving at a school somewhere. And to think this player has reached elite status you know, beyond many players we've had here in Tennessee in a long time. He's a nationally celebrated football hero and, and that's how he's cho choosing to spend his time. He really is a, a wonderful role model, and uh, you know, I, I hope he actually wins the award. Burke, we have covered so much ground here. It feels like there is no part of Nashville or Tennessee that the Tennessee Titans don't exist in some capacity. We've talked about building, we've talked about football, we've talked about all the different ways they're involved in the community, in the arts. Is that, is that what we want? We want the Titans to just be everywhere? Again, why not? I, it's... <laughs> We do have this interesting opportunity as an organization to the New York Jets or the, the Chicago Bears. They're, they're, they're in big markets. There's endless opportunities to, to do things in, in those cities. But the size of this market and, and the influence that we're able to have, we just have this respect for that. And, and we want to, to use that as, as something of a stewardship to make sure that this is as good of a place to live as could be. And, and that means being more than a football team. There's a lot of exciting stuff going on for this Titans team. I mean, we talk a lot about what's happening on the field on this show, of course. But holy smokes, there's so much going on off the field. No, there really is. And I'm really glad that, that, that you, you were able to sit down with Burke Nihill. I think he's an excellent, excellent leader for this franchise, you know, as president and CEO. And it's a, it's a really good time to be a Tennessee Titan fan. It really is. Amy Adams Strunk, Kenneth Barkley, their whole ownership group, did a great thing by naming Burke as the president and CEO. He's an outstanding leader, you know, for the organization. He's got a lot of really good ideas. He gathers good ideas. And I just, I like him personally. I, I like him. I like talking to him. He's not only smart, but he understands the things that are important for an NFL franchise. And he understands how important football is, but he also understands how much more important a lot of these other things are too. He understands that football has to be the catalyst that drives it, but you need a lot of other things to support it. And as I say, Burke Nihill to me was a, is a, is a tremendous leader for the Tennessee Titans going into the era that they're going into right now. I'm really glad that he's at the top of our organization. We are very fortunate to have someone like Burke Nihill kind of leading the charge. 
Other things that are happening off the field, speaking of off the field things, here's a cool thing that Kevin Byard is doing. Now, this is in partnership with Ashton Real Estate and the Byard Family Legacy Fund. The Titans are hosting a shoe drive for children and teens in foster care. The inaugural Nashville Kicks for Kids drive will be held at Nissan Stadium when the Titans face the Dolphins. That's on Sunday. We're asking fans to bring their new or gently used sneakers of all sizes to drop off locations around the stadium before entering the game. Visit NashvilleKicks.org for more information or to donate to the Byard Family Legacy Fund directly. As a way to say thank you, donors will be eligible to win a signed Kevin Byard football, which is also really cool. So if you have sneakers, gently worn or brand new, that you want to bring by Nissan Stadium as you are entering the game, Donate those. They will go to a very good cause. And you could win a signed Kevin Byard football. I think that's a great, great thing. I, I can't wait to see because, I mean, you've got thousands of sneakers. And you wear, a new, <laughs> you, wear, you wear a new pair just about every time I see you. So I can't wait to see the number that you're going to take to this very worthy cause. You just go roll up with a wheelbarrow probably. And, and it'll, be well, it'll be well worth it because, I mean, really, seriously, you wear a, a, a pair of, of sneakers or tennis shoes you know, about once or twice because you, you have so many of them. I've seen you wear so many of them. They all look good. They all look really nice. So somebody's going to be really Really lucky that where's your size <laughs> yep if you're a size nine get ready it's coming mac do you have anything else to say about the miami dolphins before we wrap this thing up well i mean i, I think this this podcast covered a lot of ground it really did because we're in a really good season as i said we, we went all the way to you know to playoffs to to burke nyhill you know our president and ceo who just totally gets it mm-hmm. he gets it all and and here's what we all need to get this weekend we need to get a win over the Miami Dolphins, however it happens. All I want at the end of the day on Sunday is for the Titans to have one more run across the plate than the Miami Dolphins do. That's all I care about. That's all you need. Just get more points than the other team. Yeah, one more run across the plate. Just a single to right field. Get the guy from third in and let's win. You know this is a football game, right? Sometimes I do. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, Max changing sports on me and I'm out of coffee, so it's time to wrap this thing up. Thank you so much for listening to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast.